Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a Social Media Examiner production. I'm Eric Fisher. My co-host today is Mike Stelzner. This is the show for marketers looking to stay on the leading edge of social media. We bring you expert opinions about the relevant social media news and how it impacts you. On today's show, we're going to explore the Twitter API changes and LinkedIn relaunching groups. Our special guests today are Madeline Sklar and Michael Stelzner. By the way, it's back. You can join 7,000 fellow marketers at the mega conference designed to inspire and empower you. It's Social Media Marketing World 2019. San Diego in March could not be better timing or weather for that type of year, especially for me. You've got to go get more details and jump on in and heck, just grab your ticket. You know you want to. SMMW19.com. Before we get into this first segment, I want to introduce the panel. Number one, Madeline Sklar. She is the leading Twitter marketing expert who's ranked the number one social media influencer in Houston. Congratulations. Each week, she hosts the Twitter Smarter Chat that brings people together in an active one-hour discussion. And since launching that three years ago, it's reached over 6 billion impressions. Madeline also hosts the Twitter Smarter Podcast, the weekly social ROI chat that's presented by Manage Flitter, and co-hosts the weekly Communities That Convert podcast. Madeline, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And then my other guest, Michael Stelzner, is the founder of Social Media Examiner and the man behind the Social Media Marketing World Conference, the industry's largest conference. He's also the host of the Social Media Marketing Podcast, the founder of the Social Media Marketing Society, and the central character in The Journey, an episodic documentary, which is coming back for season two on September 10th. Find out more and get caught up on season one, go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash journey. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you. And by the way, we should say journey.show to catch up on season one. Yes, socialmediaexaminer.com slash journey will be for season two. That's, but that it's, is great, true. it's great to be on the show and we're great. We're excited. I'm very excited to have Madeline here. So let's kick this sucker off. Yeah. So Twitter. Twitter API to be specific. This is going to be an interesting conversation. Had to get you back to talk about this, Madeline. So Twitter over the years has had a, let's say, tenuous relationship with its third party app developers. And in recent news, they have announced that they are shutting down API access to third party apps that mimic the core Twitter experience. And what's funny to me is that this is not anything new. This is actually literally them delivering on a promise 
that in fact they kind of made way back in 2011. One of the developers back then said developers should not build clients that mimic or reproduce the mainstream Twitter experience. So really Twitter developers have been in a kind of, you know, holding pattern with this because they announced it back then. And then even just recently uh, this year, about April, they announced this literal, you know, line in the sand cutoff. So Madeline, you've been interacting with a lot of different Twitter developers. I know you've got some insights and even some quotes there, but I first want to get your take on this. What does this mean? Yeah. And, and more, more importantly, like what exactly, yeah, I think even the bigger question is like, are these apps like Tweetbot, which I use all the time and Twitterific and stuff, are they going to still work? Can you start with that question, Madeline? Are they going to change? Are they going to stop working? Is that what the news is? They're, they're not completely going to stop working. Uh, parts of it are no longer going to work. So like uh, Tweetbot and Twitterific are affected by this new API change. It's just a few apps right now. Um, they shut down the API that these apps relied on to work uh, for, for some of these things. So like, for instance, Twitterific says that this app would no longer be able to stream tweets and send native push notifications. So those were two things that, that these apps did that will no longer work. Uh, but there are other things that will work, like uh, you'll still be able to tweet, do your DMs, they're just going to be delayed, is what they're saying. So so what does it mean you can't stream tweets anymore? Does that mean like if I load up the app and I want to look at all the tweets that have happened, I'm not going to see them anymore? If people that have tweeted me, is that what that means? It, for for those apps, because they were doing this auto refreshing timeline, which is what Twitter's removing. So let me kind of back up a little wow, bit. Wow, that's, a, kind of, that's, yeah, that's this, a big yeah. challenge. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. So Twitter is saying that they're just working to make this a better experience for everyone. You know, the, the Twitter experience, they want to improve the mobile apps, you know, for iPhone, for Android, and they want to make twitter.com a better experience. So last week on Wednesday, August 16th, they removed the access, the API access that's needed to power push notifications in the auto refreshing timelines. Now, from what we know and understand, you know, Tweetbot and Twitterific were the ones affected by this. All these other apps out there are not utilizing those two features. So when I talk to these developers, they're not affected by this. And, and I'll explain that more in a moment. Um, so basically, if you want to see tweets in real time, go to the native Twitter app, go to nativetwitter.com. You will always be able to see everything in real time. But when you think about like, like I'll use Hootsuite, I'm not seeing this auto, this auto, refreshing timeline you know when when the timeline you gotta click to have it refresh so um is is okay interesting let me because, ask this question mm-hmm. can i ask this quick question like uh-huh. i use you know Tweetbot and twitter twitterific happen to be the two biggest uh twitter clients outside of twitter on on the platform so i have that i'm aware of and i use Tweetbot, and in particular i have a rule set up that if someone dms me on twitter Tweetbot notifies me um, and it sounds like that's not going to work anymore, right? Like I, I could, I have to use the regular Twitter app in order to be able to get that notification. And that's the first question. And the second question is I do, the, the app still seems to be working for me because what I do is when I want to see who tweeted me, I just load it up and I click on it and it seems to show me everyone who's tweeted me since the last time I logged in. 
but is that functionality going to go away as well? Is that but if you want it to refresh, are you having to do a, like a pull down for it to refresh itself? I think so. Whereas before it was auto refreshing. So that's the only difference is that they've gotten rid of it's, the auto refreshing. Yes. They got rid of yeah. the auto refreshing. It's a big difference in terms of auto speed. So for example, though, people who are monitoring, say, tweet chats, and if you're using a certain client, your tweets for that chat aren't going to be as quickly updated as they used to be. You'll this is one of the things you got to right? constantly pull down and swipe and like update and ask for it. This is one of the things we actually ran into in what we were using at social media marketing world back in 2018 uh, for the event is, you know, we we're on a two minute delay, but again, there's so many tweets happening at that point and we've got multiple people watching it. That two minute delay didn't really matter because we were kind of already at the three to five minute mark anyway and counting as and getting closer. Um, the DM thing's annoying, but again, you know, but if the, you've got so it. DM up, thing, so you have to use a different app to get the notifications yeah. is what yeah. I'm hearing you say. Is that right, uh, Madeline? They want you to use the Twitter app. Yeah. Twitter wants you to so, use okay. the Twitter app. So now that we've clarified like <laughs> what they're restricting, Keep going, please, because I just wanted to get okay. to the bottom of like what the change is. So keep going, please. Okay. So um, to learn more about all this, I, I went and consulted with Emmerich Earnholt from Agora Pulse, uh, Tim Fargo from Social Jukebox, and Kevin Garber from Managed Flitter. These are three very large third-party tools that utilize Twitter uh, in these APIs. So Emmerich said that Twitter doesn't want apps to display the, the the feed because in their business model is is based on the people seeing the ads right so when right. we're we're seeing the feeds they just like facebook right they want us to see the ads so if you use a third party app and we're using their feed they'll they remove the the ads okay. and so twitter does not benefit so emrick was explaining like you know that's the issue there. He, uh, most apps are, are actually not affected by this because they're not displaying the feeds because uh, it was really about the feeds. So he said that they are just retrieving DMs, mentions, retweets, and searches. So you can see that, okay, well, that's not affecting them because they're not utilizing the, the actual feed. Now, I talked to Tim Fargo from Social Jukebox. He said the, this was his take on it, which is a very interesting. The API changes are designed to combat automated trend surfing and the ability to artificially create trends because uh, these changes are going to be important in combating fake news. And we know that Twitter wants to do away with that. All the social platforms want to do away with fake news. So he says bots pile on a topic that elevates his appearance across Twitter. So this gives a trending topic, however false, a perceived social proof and credibility. So that is really interesting. I think that, you know, mm -hmm. this is part of the process to do away with that. That sounds like it's tied in a little bit with the replicating the, the duplicate content that was, uh, uh -huh. I forget this about two, two, three months now ago that they made that change where you couldn't just write one tweet and then make it come out of multiple Twitter accounts all at once. It sounds like a similar instance there with that. Well, um, you know, I, I have some I have some high level thoughts on this. I think you hit on something, Madeline, when you said Twitter wants you to use their app. Um, just imagine if Facebook was open like Twitter is and there were third party apps that you could get the news feed through that you didn't have to see ads everybody would be using them, right? That's right. <laughs> so, so this is, a, this, Sign me this, up. is the, this is the fundamental problem here is that Twitter is now a public company. They have to make money 
And this is, I think, the beginning of the end for mobile apps that replace Twitter. And I think that they want everyone to use Twitter. And I think that they're boiling the frog here. I think right now they're stripping back some very limited functionality. And then eventually we're going to see you're not going to be able to query the feed at all on a mobile app. And then what they're going to do is just say, okay, if you want similar functionality, go on over and download the Twitter app. And of course, it's in their best interest. And I might even argue that they're not moving fast enough. I think they should just shut down all the mobile apps and make everybody use Twitter. That way we all have a consistent user experience. And, you know, um, you're going to have a lot of the old school people that are going to get upset, but it's not going to impact tools like Emmerich's tool because exactly. it uses the API in a different kind of way. Right. It's not going to impact scheduling tools. It's just going to impact user behavior. And I guarantee you, I'm going to keep using the, the TweetBot app until I don't have to use it anymore because I like it and I don't want to have to switch and they should just shut the whole thing down. What do you think? Yeah, Mike, it doesn't sound like you're going to lose any functionality there other than a push notification of a direct message. You still could go into TweetBot and use the direct messages there. It's just that you won't get a push notification for that. Right. But the bigger feature. issue is not about whether I'm losing features. It's about Twitter. Right. And we right. all know exactly. we want Twitter to survive. Why don't they just shut the whole darn thing down? I mean, like, yeah, I don't know, Madeline, how many people are still using third party apps like Twitterific and TweetBot? I, I would imagine a lot. I don't know. Could help Twitter, right? You know, here's what's interesting. So um, Twitter is citing that there are technical and business constraints that it can no longer ignore. That That's kind of like this whole API shutdown has to do with that. They're saying that it's only being used by less than 1% of Twitter developers for this. So what about users so, though? That's the other part of it, right? What about I know users, that, right? Right. Yeah. And they're they're not addressing that, but they're they're yeah. addressing on the developer side. So I I agree. I think they sh- they sh- should shut it down. Um I've been using the the Twitter native app for years. It used to be a terrible app, but it got really good years ago. Um, but I wasn't tied to an like you're very tied to your app. I totally understand that. I was using um, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I was using one for a while, and I was real into yeah. it as well. But I'm fine using Twitter. Twitter's native app. And I think those that are using other apps, like in your case, once those functionalities go away, then you're going to have no choice but to be using Twitter yeah. native. And in the olden days, look, I, and I don't know if the native Twitter app does this, but TweetBot pioneered the ability to mute um, people so that you never saw them anymore. It had a lot of filtering capabilities in there so that you could say, never show a tweet to me that was used by this client. Like if it was used by Buffer, you can mute all Buffer stuff. I mean, and for me, that was magical because it brought the actual humans. It allowed me to only see tweets from actual people, not that were scheduled responses. And that for someone like me, who has almost 200,000 followers, allowed me to like use the app and made it usable. And I don't know if the Twitter app does that right now. Does it? It probably doesn't is my guess, right? There's not client muting, but there's there's people muting and there's mm-hmm. uh, there's word muting that you can do. So you, yeah. can, you could literally mute anybody who's mentioning a certain word. I won't give examples, but, you know, yeah. any all of the people that you still want to see all their tweets because they're real right. people, but they're talking right. about a specific topic. You won't see that topic. Right. That's great. They, they actually had that before Facebook gave us that option. Right. Honestly, I'm surprised that third party apps for Twitter have been around this long because, again, Facebook, as an example, there there were third party clients for Facebook right near the early days of the uh, the app store. 
I remember using them and thinking, and, and here's the thing, they were crap. So I stopped using them. Twitter really needs to evolve to the point where they are making their twitter.com mobile and twitter.com desktop experience perfect one thing we haven't mentioned you here yet though is they still own TweetDeck. they acquired that TweetDeck is going to maintain functionality across all these things that streaming stuff that we were talking about actually still works i checked it out uh earlier this week for our tweet chat no exactly uh what's funny though is about a year ago they did send out a survey twitter did uh asking people if they'd be interested uh in an advanced tweet deck that would be like available for a, a monthly subscription fee and, you know, power user features and a mobile app version of it. Honestly, Twitter, if you do that for the power users, great. But again, that's them starting to bifurcate and fragment. And that's not really in to their, that doesn't build to their strengths at this point. So I'd love to hear from those that are watching live. What Twitter app are you using on your phone? Just go ahead and, and type it in. Um, you know, Nancy is saying that Twitter has been limiting their API and phases for years, cutting off LinkedIn mm-hmm. and Google and taking it away. Madeline, what are your thoughts on, like, is this the beginning of Twitter moving towards maybe over the next couple of months, eliminating all user apps so that everybody just uses Twitter? Is that where we're heading? I, I think so. I think that's the direction this is going in. I mean, no one knows for sure. They're not really being forthcoming with, with telling us exactly. But but here here's a few interesting things. So um, the very first native Twitter app was developed by a third party developer, which is really right. cool. And, and Twitter right. acknowledges that they do care about the developers. They're not trying to shut down all these developers. Uh, the mute, like you mentioned, Mike, and the pull to refresh gesture, these were all created by third-party app developers that that Twitter now uses in their native apps. But in 2011, like Eric said earlier, Twitter told developers in an email not to build apps and mimic the core Twitter experience. So if apps were going in that direction, they had yeah. to know that at some point they're going to get shut down. And and like you said, like Emmerich and uh, we got uh, uh, social jukebox, Sprout, social. Twitter, they, they all have, you know, browser based tools. You know, they, right. I know Hootsuite of course has an app. I haven't used the Hootsuite mobile app in years. Uh, I use desktop, you know? Um, so I just think that the, all these companies were really smart going that route and not trying to go in the other direction from what Twitter is telling these developers to do. Well, overwhelming response from our audience is that they're all using the native app. It's it's mainly native. But, but, but then again, we are dealing with marketers here and marketers know that there are certain things that you have to have the native app for, like that you're not going to get on the other apps. So I wonder whether that's the general consumption of the consumers as well. That would be fascinating. But go ahead, Eric, what were you going to say? Well, and so that ties into the other thing I'm noticing here and the questions that we've gotten on other streaming platforms while we're doing the show live is they're saying they're using the native app and then some sort of power marketing tool like a Hootsuite, like a Sprout Social, like an Agora Pulse, those different types. And so uh, to kind of allay their fears, marketers fears, those power tools aren't necessarily going to lose any functionality unless again, you're relying on that thing to somehow shoot you a, a DM. Like there's one person who's saying, uh, you know, they manage 30 different clients accounts inside of, uh, I forget what the tool was, but again, unless you're looking, unless you're getting 30 
DMs, different accounts, DMs through that thing, uh, push notifications and DMs. I should be clear. I should clarify. It's push notifications. It's not just DMs. Uh, so if you've got DMs, you're still going to be able to treat that like an inbox and reply to those and do great customer service. That's not going to go away yet. <laughs> That's kind of the thing that I'm kind of saying though, is like, like, look, this is inches towards where you kind of see Twitter going eventually. So well, and look, we're marketers here. If Twitter gets smart and says, okay, all mobile apps that are just like the Twitter app, we're going to shut down. That's going to allow us marketers to get behind Twitter advertising in a bigger way, because mm-hmm. we'll know that we'll be able to get a hundred percent of the mobile audience, right? Because almost everyone uses Twitter on their mobile phone, right? Madeline, it's almost exclusively a mobile app. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I agree for sure. So that would allow us to get behind advertising because you can't push advertising, as you mentioned earlier, into a third-party app. It just, they don't have it built that way. Am I right? Right. I never see ads on third-party. And and that'll help Twitter get more funding to do more innovation. Exactly. Uh, Let's be honest. Twitter's been kind of, I mean, where's the innovation from that company? What's going on, Madeline? Aren't you a little concerned there? You know, it's been in the third party apps. (laughs) If I could grab someone there and just shake them, I would, because I tell you what, there are so many features out there that no one knows about that are amazing features. Because, you know, they don't, they don't, they they don't don't, have a market, what they don't have a marketing department. they, They hide them in the, in the, in the, tool like 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 there's this cool thing called media studio you know i came onto the society last year did this awesome presentation showed everybody leslie samuel was like yeah i don't really use twitter after i showed media studio and how you can put a call to action and some metadata into a video in your tweet he was he's like oh my god i'm gonna start using twitter now i didn't know i could do this so they have all this amazing functionality for us users that no one knows exists and you can get around the two minute video limit you can, Oops, you can get around a lot of things. You can get around a lot of things. Yeah. Well, tw- uh, Madeline, since we still have you here, if, if, Eric, if you're willing to allow me to go down a little yeah. diversion here. Um, Let's Periscope. do this. Periscope. Um, I've been saying for years that they were just going to fully integrate it into Twitter and call it Twitter Live, but it, didn't, it hasn't happened. And I'm almost like, it's almost like nobody, nobody even talks about Periscope anymore. What's your thoughts on that, Madeline? Okay, so Periscope still has its community. There are still avid Periscope users, surprisingly. Uh, I think that's why it's still around. You can do a Twitter Live. You could open up your Twitter right now on your phone, the native Twitter, go to do a tweet. There is a live button. You you can go and broadcast live right now. If you without have Periscope, Periscope without Periscope, you do not have to have Periscope. If oh, you good. do have Periscope, it, then it will automatically broadcast it live to your Periscope while you're in Twitter doing it, but no one does it. I never see anybody doing a live video. I don't, I don't use it. I prefer when I'm doing live streams, I, I use Facebook. Well, well and we they, still do it. We've got yeah. people right now, hopefully watching us over there on Periscope, but we're, we do, you Lots know, of questions. yeah, but it, it used to be like the thing. And it's it like, they almost like, it's just like they, that's another opportunity that Twitter just lets squander, right? Like, like, totally. hey, everybody over on Facebook, you're not getting any reach. Come on over and try Twitter, right? Go live. And man, I just don't get that because like they crushed Meerkat. Everybody forgets that. They put out Meerkat yeah. out of business almost the day they came out. Yeah. And I was there when that happened. I remember I'm sitting next to Guy Kawasaki and Periscope had just been released uh, four weeks earlier at South by Southwest. I'm all guy. 
you're not using Periscope. What are you going live with? And he's all, oh, this is, this is, um, I mean, you're not using Meerkat. What are you going live with? He's all, Meerkat? He's all, that was so yesterday. He's all, <laughs> it literally was yesterday at yeah. that moment. That's what and was hilarious. He's all, he's all, I'm all in on, on, on Periscope now. And it launched the day before at Social Media Marketing World, okay? Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. You know, and it was vertical video, right? And it was vertical video before anybody was talking about anything on vertical video on Snapchat, That's right. you know? And it's like, wow, man, seriously, guys, you missed an opportunity. So I don't know. It, it, but they are doing still sports and stuff, right, Madeline? Yes. As a matter of fact, last night, I, I you know, I saw that it was trending that the Cleveland Browns were playing. I've been watching Hard Knocks on HBO. So I'm like, oh, they're playing. Let, let me go and see on Twitter. And I was able to get the score, which was super cool. Yeah. They're not showing the games, but you can easily get scores. Uh, they're right. connected with like different sports agencies, which is neat. Right. Well, Madeline. Thank you, uh, Eric. I'll pass it back over to you. Thank you for allowing me to riff for a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. That was some great riffing. I enjoyed it. So uh, if we had to kind of put put a summary statement on this, again, this, this major change isn't as major, but does signify some major changes that are really going to be coming down in the you know future. And again, you, you may need to take a look at what the tools are that you're using for Twitter and change up your Twitter strategy. And for that, you can go to Madeline Sklar. Madeline, I'd love to be able to direct people to where you're going and what you're doing. And in fact, social media marketing world. <laughs> I am so excited to be coming back to social media marketing world. My fourth year in a row to speak about Twitter. So I will be there with bells on. So excited. So yeah, I'm really looking I'm forward to, to that, it. by the way. Okay. Madeline, where can people, where can people <laughs> find you if they want to, if they want to track you online? I think Twitter would be the obvious choice. Madeline Sklar over on Twitter. Since I have an unusual name, I'm pretty easy to find. And MadelineSklar.com. I would love to chat with you. Hit me up. For those listening awesome. to the podcast, Sklar is S-K-L-A-R. Thank you so much for joining us, Madeline. Thank Thanks, you Madeline. so much. All right. I'm just Always great to have little, her. I'm just going to do a little prediction, guys. Do um, it. I think that I predict that within the next six months, Twitter will eliminate their API for mobile apps that look anything like Twitter. And this is just like, this is phase one. You know, they're just kind of seeing what kind of press they get, seeing how people react. And right now they're back in Twitter headquarters saying, hey, you know, there hasn't been that much negative press. We're gonna keep scaling things back until it's impossible for these other guys to exist. They're gonna be gone. And then what's gonna happen, hopefully, is Twitter will start making more money because everyone will have to use the Twitter app and they'll put some of that money behind marketing campaigns and let the world know that there's an alternative to Facebook and hopefully bring a bit of a resurgence back to Twitter. Because right now, I can tell you with great certainty, the order of operations for most humans is Facebook and Instagram. And LinkedIn is rapidly surpassing Twitter. People are getting re in invigorated by all the innovation happening at LinkedIn. There's no innovation happening at Twitter. Or let me rephrase, there's no innovation that anybody's talking about that's happening on Twitter. So they need to invest some marketing dollars and they need to bring Twitter back because let's be honest, they were the first for many of us. And um, it's kind of sad to see where they're at right now. What do yeah, you think? They were, they were my favorite for a long time. And it's, it's gradually, I have moved over off of Tweetbot onto the main Twitter app just because 
I've kind of grown to like it, but that doesn't mean yeah. I've grown to like the platform any better. Sorry, or I've, I've actually grown to like the platform a little bit less over time. I use it less. I, I mean, you know this, I used to do summit stuff for us on right. Twitter and over time I've just haven't because I haven't had as much excitement in that. However, I do want to say this, and I should have said this while Madeline was here. We've done a tweet chat three weeks in a row now at social media examiner, hashtag SME chat, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. And I'm excited about Twitter again for that very reason. So we'd love to have you join us. We do it every every Wednesday, 10 p.m. Sorry, 10 a.m. Don't show up that late. 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And uh, it's it's going really well. And we, we talked all about this LinkedIn thing we're going to talk about uh, in a minute awesome. at that chat. So, yep. And the hashtag is SME chat. So come yes. join us and be part of the conversation and reinvigorate your um, memories and excitement of Twitter because it's still a killer platform. It's just still, yeah, still yeah. great. ROI. If, you know, if Madeline was still on the screen. She'd be like Twitter chat is kind of the killer ROI thing when it comes to uh, Twitter. The Twitter ROI is really there in the chat. So now this next I want to mention, item is, is a big yes. deal, by the way. So hang tight to keep going, Eric. This is huge. But first, again, I want to remind you that we just opened the registration doors, as many of you were knocking on them, waiting for us to open it uh, for Social Media Marketing World 2019. And Mike, you're in San Diego right now. I, I will be there. Madeline will be there. All of our team will be there. Many people have already bought tickets will be there. I mean, again, 7,000 fellow marketers. This is the conference for this industry. Every year it gets better. Um, I don't know if you want to share any other kind of okay, detail. Uh, other well, than I can tell you this much. 43 people bought tickets so far today, just to give you geez. some perspective. Yeah, it's so far today. We have already <laughs> somewhere between 1,600 and 1,700 people that have already agreed to come back. And um, uh, one thing I will say that's, that, that we did differently this year is we actually have four different ticketing options available, and, and they start very economically. So in the past, this was a very expensive event, and we've decided to split up all sorts of options. So if you've always had in your brain, I can't afford that event, well, that's no longer true. Give it a second look because there's people coming from all over the world that are making their plans and commitments. And we've got an amazing event in store for you guys. So we hope to see you there. We so go to go to SMMW19.com. Every other comment in the live chat here in the live show is I've got my ticket already. So you're you're among Josh, friends. Jocelyn said you can't afford not to go. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jocelyn. Well said. So, all right. So let's get into this. This is this is something that. Uh, so when I first stepped into the role as social media manager at Social Media Examiner, I inherited our old LinkedIn networking group. Do you remember this? The LinkedIn yeah, networking we, group we, that we, we had. ended up having fifty three thousand people in that group before we shut yeah. it down. It, it was insane and. I just remember entering into that because I was never as active in LinkedIn groups as I was when I jumped in on that. And being one of the moderators, uh, Rich Brooks was one who he did an amazing job in there. So thank you to him um, and a number of others. Gradually, though, it just became impossible to manage because spam. 
I mean, that flat out spam, just self-promotion spam. It was it was hard. There was no tool that let you treat it like an inbox. It was literally just a mess of you go in and you just scroll and scroll trying to see if there's new mentions, new messages, new comments and reply to them. And so it just got ugly. And so we killed that. I was trying to get some actual um information on when that was, but I think it, I believe that it was about 2015. It was right when we started the social media marketing society that we decided to kill. Yeah. So that, that yeah. was about so, three, three or four years ago. Yeah. So for about three years. So then what's, what's interesting is at, at about that time, uh, LinkedIn decided uh, back in 2015 to launch a, uh, a, a an app, a mobile app, it was funny because I remember on this very show back then we talked about this LinkedIn's launching a group app and that was 2015 and we had already just gotten rid of our group and we're like well no no way of knowing if that would have helped us manage it or not well they didn't keep that very long they killed it about a year and a half later and now we don't have any groups apps but the promise they made when they killed that app kind of quietly back in um you know, six months ago, earlier this year, was that they were going to integrate and refresh and bring LinkedIn groups back to the forefront of the LinkedIn experience. And I got a, I got an email last week from Chloe at LinkedIn groups. And I was one of the, I guess, power users. That's what they said this was being sent out to. I think a lot really? of people got this, though. I don't know if you I got, didn't it. Get it. I got I didn't it. I got it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and they outline, hey, LinkedIn groups. We are going to refresh. We are going to be making changes and we are letting you, this select group of power users, know that at the end of this month, August 2018, we are relaunching groups. So I'm interested to see what they do with this. But I want to tell you that like the sentiment about LinkedIn groups on the tweet chat three days ago when we talked about this was LinkedIn groups. I haven't been in a LinkedIn group in years. When was the last time, Mike, that you ever went into a LinkedIn group? Well, you know, I think we should, I want to get to that, but I want to tell everybody what the news is because I feel like it's critical that we tell Mm -hmm. people what the news is. The news is, and my understanding of the news, and you can expand on this, Eric, the news is that they have eliminated, first of all, the ability to send an email broadcast to all the members of your group which Mm -hmm. is a serious problem for marketers. In addition, they also eliminated some of the moderate, all the moderation tools, right? Is that correct, Eric? Right, yes. And some of this is temporary that they'll be bringing back once they relaunch it. And it's only gone from now of the announcement till they relaunch. Some of it though is permanent. Well, the part that's permanent is the emailing of the the users. Yeah. And we at Social Media Examiner have been using LinkedIn groups for social media marketing world and it was a pretty powerful way for us to send an email to everyone in that group. Um, even though we could, they were customers and we could have emailed them other ways, but, but you know, there was a, there was a lot of cool features. What, what, you know, LinkedIn was one of the few platforms that allowed and still, you know, it was the last platform that allowed you to, to link, to send an email. You can't do that on Facebook, right? How cool no. would it be if we could send an email to all the members of our Facebook group? Seriously, raise your hand, people in the comments. Would you love that feature? If you could send an email to everyone inside your Facebook group, would you love that feature? Of course you would love that feature um, because you don't even know who they are, right? And that's a, that's a way to get to their inbox. And well, this and- is why... 
marketers loved LinkedIn because at least you could broadcast communications to those people and remind them that the group existed. Okay. And, um, Mike Crossan, who, um, has perhaps one of the top, he has 2 million people in his group. He's shutting down his group. Um, it's called, it was called social media marketing. And I think he was the biggest or one of the top five. And the key to everything for him was the ability to communicate with people over email to bring them back inside of that group. So that's kind of big news, you know, um, and, and that combined with the no longer giving group moderators the ability to do some of that moderation kind of stuff, whether it does or does not come back. I mean, that's kind of the death knell to the way groups have been used by marketers. Um, and there still are a lot of very active groups on LinkedIn. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's like, I don't, I, before I say what I think, I want to know what you yeah. think, Eric. Well, so, and let's, let, I want to clarify one thing. When you're talking about them sending an email from a group, we're not just saying, oh, uh, I on LinkedIn sent a message on LinkedIn, private message to all my people. It's, that's not it at all. It's literally an email oh, well, in your yeah. email broadcast. Yeah. yeah, it gets, it gets into your actual email account, whatever LinkedIn, whatever email LinkedIn has on file for you saying there is a message for you over on LinkedIn in the group. And that, no, 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 that's not what it is. It's an actual no. email broadcast. You have a link every seven days. You can send a full email broadcast, just like it's just like it's an email newsletter. So you could right. send. Yeah. Send yeah. Through. Sorry. I said that wrong. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to yeah. go back to LinkedIn. It's all inside the email. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. And and that was great for us because we had this group of what, 53,000 people who right. back in the day we would send, Hey, tickets for social media marketing world are, are open. And then they would be notified. Right. I mean, it was like having another email uh, list in, in a weird way. So, so yeah. it's a great I, feature. And I just got, I got to tell you guys, I've, I've known a lot of people with really big groups on, on LinkedIn, and they've been telling me for years that nobody listens at LinkedIn about the innovations. They've been stripping functionalities out of the groups for, for a long time. I mean, like for at least a year or two, the group functionality has been radically restricted. You used to be able to have subgroups really easily. You used to be able to mm -hmm. job postings. Uh, you used to be able to do really sophisticated search queries inside of groups. Um, and you know, I think that, I think that this is unfortunately LinkedIn acting like Facebook. That's how I look at this. I think what's really going on here is Microsoft said, all right, you guys, we need to rein in control of these groups. We're not going to allow people that own groups to use them as marketing vehicles because that's exactly what was going on. All right. People like Mike Crossan and others, this was an incredible marketing vehicle for them to be able to communicate like a newsletter once a week to every single member of their group and have great curated dialogue to, to easily require certain people to go into moderation to create a really good user experience. And LinkedIn, I think is saying, we don't want that anymore. We're going to reinvent the entire group experience and probably it's going to be a lot more like Facebook. And if you want to communicate with your people, well, you can pay to communicate with your people. I think that's where it's coming, you know? And I think that honestly, um, they probably know that a lot, not a lot of people are using LinkedIn except for a very specific niche subgroups that are very active on LinkedIn. They don't care about that. I think that LinkedIn is becoming more of a consumer platform. Let's be honest. We've got native video all over LinkedIn right now. LinkedIn is starting to feel a lot more like Facebook. 
People are starting to talk about things on LinkedIn that they never used to talk about before. They're talking about their family. They're talking about their pets. They're talking about politics. They're talking about things that you talk about on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And LinkedIn, now owned by Microsoft, is getting ready for their next salvo, which is we're going to be more like Facebook, but we don't have as big of an algorithm problem. So we're just going to go ahead and we're going to get rid of the old and in with the new. This is exactly the same as what's happening with Twitter. Complete parallels, okay? Twitter is getting out with the old by, by getting rid of the Twitter mobile apps to make way for the new, which is complete control within an app, our app, um, contained experience. You have to go inside the app. If you can send an email, you don't have to go back inside the app. Therefore, you cannot show advertising. You're beginning to understand what's really at play here. What's at play here is a uh, centralization, not decentralization, but a centralization aggregation of all functionalities contained within the ecosystem so that you're reliant on going to the ecosystem and seeing advertisements. I don't know. That's my, that's my thoughts. Rant over. What do you guys think? Yeah. I I don't know how, I mean, this is a lot of Facebook or sorry, this is a lot of LinkedIn. See, I'm even doing it. LinkedIn making themselves look like, feel like Facebook with all those features that they've been adding. One of the features that they're adding to this with the groups being integrated into the desktop, as well as the mobile app is they're pulling a page from Facebook groups where the discussions and posts from discussions in groups are going to show up in the main feed like Facebook does, you know, where you've, where you're in certain groups, unless you turn this off, you added, you join a new group, you start to see group conversations in your main Facebook feed. Same thing here. That's what one of the things that the, is that they're adding. But again, I, I got to wonder, especially again, going back to that tweet chat the other day, it was a sour, bitter, I've been burned by LinkedIn groups sentiment that I don't think anybody's going to overcome and rejoin if they've ever you know, if even if they were still around, like, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I think it's too little too late, unfortunately. Well, let's 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 think about what's happening with groups on Facebook. They de- they deleted the groups app and everybody was like, are you serious? Why are you doing that? Right. If it's mm-hmm. all about meaningful interactions, why would you not want an app that sends you ping notifications on your phone? Like they decided to delete that. OK. And then Mark Zuckerberg said it's the future's groups. Right. Um, and they're, they're rolling out lots of group functionality, like crazy inside of, inside of Facebook. Right. And that is where everything is happening. LinkedIn owned by Microsoft says, well, okay, hold on a second. We don't want people going over to Facebook and, and doing all this amazing group stuff. We want them to do LinkedIn. Like, why should they have to do their B2B conversations within a Facebook group? We're going to reinvent the whole darn thing and we're going to, we're going to change it. So, so what's really happening you guys is at a master scale, it's just this massive move towards um, gated communities. I don't know how else to say it. Like, if you want to play in my sandbox, I'm going to keep innovating features. I'm going to make it really awesome, but you're not going to be able to use third-party tools. You're not going to be able to use third-party apps. You have to come and you have to come through my front door and that's the only way to come. And when you leave, you have to leave through the front door. And um, I think people will be willing to do that if the feature sets are strong and if the communal aspect is strong. But it's just another sign of change. And that's not bad, but it's but it's sometimes like we have to wrap our brain around it, you know? 
Yeah. Nancy Mirland has got a great comment. She says people forgive and forget if others are having a good experience or if they see changes in the newsfeed, they may give it another opportunity. I, you know, again, if, if, if somebody were to come along and say, here's this amazing group I just created, it's under, it's on LinkedIn. I'd be like, uh, LinkedIn groups. But if, if they get me in there, if I actually go take a look, which again, I think that's the biggest barrier. Uh, with the history, but if they get in and they have a good experience, I don't think anybody cares which platform it is. Right. Right. And, you know, part of the, part of me is a guy that loves to shut things down. Anybody that knows me for any period of time knows that I have no problem stopping things because I believe that when you, when you stop things, it makes room for new innovation. So I think by Twitter, stopping the mobile apps and by LinkedIn, stopping email communication and um, moderation, it's going, at least for now, on the moderation front, I think what it's going to do is it's going to free them up to finally innovate because um, for the longest time we've been saying about LinkedIn, the very things we just said about Twitter, where's the mm-hmm. innovation? It's boring over there. All of a sudden it came, became exciting, right, on LinkedIn. And, um, and I don't know, it's just disconcerting a little bit because we as marketers, especially on Facebook, it's constant change. So we like the idea that there's at least some stability over on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you, you, you know, you come into this conversation and you hear about cha- them making changes. Well, at least they're making changes, you know, and at least they're right. being forthright about where they're headed and what they're doing about it. Again, unlike what, what we just were talking about with Twitter, but again, keep in mind, like you just said, LinkedIn for the past year and even into last year, So, I mean, they still don't have live video. That's still the one thing that I think differentiates them the most from everywhere else. But again, who was really missing it that much just yet? I don't, well, we kind of are, but anyway, Uh, but they've had so many other little like, whoa, LinkedIn did what? LinkedIn's adding this, LinkedIn's adding that. Like LinkedIn, the power of LinkedIn has been becoming more apparent. Uh, Honestly, let's just say it since Microsoft got them, right? Like Microsoft started to put a strategy in place. I think that's because LinkedIn did a couple things really smart. First of all, they're they're showing the metrics and the reach. I don't understand why they're hiding the video views. I have no understanding of why they're doing that. Recently, they stopped showing video views except for pay, to page moderators, which makes absolutely no sense to me because it's social proof. Yeah. People want to know how many people have watched the videos. But I think native video is a big deal on LinkedIn. I still feel like LinkedIn is just like um, virgin territory still. And I know a lot of people that love Facebook are seeing huge, huge advantages to doing organic activities on LinkedIn. And I'm optimistic that maybe groups will be uh, resurging on LinkedIn and maybe this will become what Facebook, you know, um, used to be. Maybe LinkedIn has an opportunity to snag the platform exposure. And, you know, who's to say that LinkedIn might not expand beyond business, right? Um, Microsoft is not just a business company. You know, they make consumer stuff. Let's not forget they own a big video game platform, you know, and all the other products that they own, like, uh, you know, virtual reality stuff. So we know that Microsoft, if they wanted to, could spin off an entirely different social network. And maybe they're just using LinkedIn as a testing ground. Who knows? But I, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys right here, uh, my last prediction for today's show, there will be a major company in the next year, and it will be either, either Apple Google, LinkedIn, slash Microsoft, one of those one of those companies, Microsoft, Apple, Google, one of those three companies, and it's most likely going to be Microsoft that will roll out a new social platform that will attempt to rival Facebook. 
because there's an incredible opportunity to disrupt Facebook right now. Facebook, there's a lot of people upset with Facebook. There's a lot of people unsure about the future of Facebook. And there's an incredible opportunity for a mega multi-billion dollar company to just come out, sew a couple things together and start a new platform. And I can assure you there'll be a massive land rush just like there was with Google Plus. And if the company learns the lessons of what, what's happened in the past with the failed efforts of the other social platforms, it could be a huge success. There will be a new social platform. It will come from a major player in the next year. And if it's not a new social platform, it'll be a radical expansion to the existing social platforms. So marketers, be ready. When it rolls out by a multi-billion dollar company that has the resources to keep it alive, rush in. People forget that LinkedIn's been around since before everybody else, since 2002. Um, Matt Navarra, who has a comment here, he says uh, he spoke to a LinkedIn product manager recently and major changes and new features for pages, groups, events, video, et cetera, are coming soon. Awesome. So LinkedIn, keep your eye on LinkedIn. And I'm sure once uh, you know we get to the end of this month, uh, and have a chance to dip our toes into these new groups. We're going to revisit this discussion, but for now, we'll put a pin in it. We'll say thank you for being here and thank you for listening, watching, and all of that. We want to remind you to join us, like so many of you are that already have your tickets. 7,000 fellow marketers, social media marketing world, the mega conference, San Diego, March 2019. Find out more, SMMW19. Dot com. And if you want to dig in deeper on anything we talked about here, you can always find the show notes for this episode at socialmediaexaminer.com every Saturday. I want to say thank you to Jeff C. for handling the simulcasts. Grace Duffy for being our show producer. Thank you, Mike, for being a great co-host, as usual. And I want to say, yeah, Mike, we'll have you back as often as we can. Uh, and we want you to join us next week, Friday, August 31st, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern to join us live or jump in and subscribe to the show and share the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Every episode drops every coming Monday. And with that, uh, we want to say thank you and we will see you next episode. Bye bye. Bye, everyone. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.